Good morning. Good morning and welcome. I'm so glad that I'm a senior minister and I don't have to go and do a lock-in because uh, that's all night locked in with a bunch of kids. Crazy, crazy. But I'm grateful that uh, young guys like Zach uh, and Zach and uh, Partners in Crime will help lead that. It's good to have you with us. If you're in person, it's great to have you here. If you're online, joining us online, Wonderful to have you. I want to welcome you to our time together, and uh, it's just so great to see you. A beautiful weekend, and a uh, little weather changes, but wow, it's great to be with God's people and uh, to share together, so I'm glad you've joined us t- today. You know, a few weeks ago, I baptized my friend and my neighbor, Tony. A lot of you remember that probably, and after his baptism and after being congratulated by people and meeting so many people that day, and then that night, he actually came and joined our small group. Uh, but Tony looked at me and he said, you know, I feel like that I have a brand new family, I have a brand new family. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty cool way to express what it means to be a Christian, that whenever we give our life to Jesus Christ, we not only receive the forgiveness of our sins, so our past is removed and washed away, uh, our present is empowered because we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have eternal life before us uh, promised to us, which is amazing, but we also have the gift of a brand new family. And now that God is not just our creator, he's not just the one who made us, but God is also our father. Jesus is our older brother, and now we have a lot of siblings. We have a loving family, brothers and sisters who are around us, who connect with us, that we can live with and interact with, and people that really, truly care about us. So that's an amazing place to be that God puts us in his family. We become one of his children. And you know, as I think about that, I think, who wouldn't want that in a world that's longing for connection and longing for people to relate to and and be around? Who wouldn't want that family around them? But uh, oddly enough, it's no secret that church attendance and membership in the church is kind of declining in our country. A lot of people claim to be kind of following Jesus, but they don't really identify or make it a habit to gather with or worship with other believers. kind of see that more and more. Uh, many people who do attend worship kind of do it half-heartedly. Uh, if nothing else is going on, then, you know, maybe they'll uh, show up. But, and a lot of people, it seems like, are reluctant to commit to a local church. And that's kind of like, like the ultimate um, consumerism, if you will. And uh, he was mentioning that a few moments ago, kind of like freelance Christians who go to one church for this ministry, another church for that ministry, uh, and, and really don't support or serve any church, kind of get what they can and, and move on. And that's an odd way to think about it. In fact, that's totally foreign to the concept of what the Bible teaches about being part of the body of Christ, the family of God. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And the unfortunate thing about, about people who, who kind of act that way or live that way, they never truly belong anywhere. So when, they, when something goes on in their life, nobody knows. Or when they disappear... Nobody knows if they were really there or not, and they often, unfortunately, aren't missed or they're not ministered to. And that's really difficult for me, to be honest with you. I have the heart of a pastor. I really am concerned what's going on in people's lives. And if I don't know, if I don't, you know, if there's no commitment and there's no um, accountability, there's no connection, it's really hard. And it hurts my heart, to be honest with you, uh, when I see people that kind of rob themselves of that kind of connection. Now, on top of that, uh, you know, not only the trend that we've been seeing, but on top of that, of course, COVID has had a big impact, and people, uh, many people have kind of abandoned church, uh, but seem to go everywhere else. Uh, that's hard for a pastor to take. 
and uh, preaching to the choir that you guys are here. But, uh, you know, there really is kind of an attitude that said the church is the most dangerous place to be in the world. And, uh, you know, when you try to challenge people and say, hey, I've been missing you, sometimes people will say uh, something like this. You know, we've been doing something different, uh, which I'm not sure even what to do with that. You know, what, what are you doing differently? Basically, it sounds like don't bug me because I don't want to be held accountable. I don't want anybody to ask me what I'm doing or where I'm going or, or anything else. And usually what it means, they're not going anywhere. They just don't want anybody to, to kind of encourage them or challenge them. So I hope that isn't you. Obviously, it's not any of you all here, but if there's somebody out there maybe that's listening, I don't want to confront you. I want to challenge you and encourage you to commit to be together with the body of Christ and to gather because that's how we, it was intended to be. So today we're going to close out our Reboot series, the one we've been in for a few weeks here, uh, by talking about rebooting belonging and connecting to the body of Christ. And, and along the way, I want to challenge you if there is some decision that you need to make for Christ. Maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ before. Today would be an awesome day to do that. Maybe you're here and you're not connected with the local body of believers. Maybe you just haven't been in the practice of worshiping and sharing together. We want to invite you to be a part of our body, the body of Christ that God has created here. And we want to encourage you to belong. You know, belong is really a part of our spiritual journey that we've identified. Our mission as a church is to move people on a, on a simple journey toward Jesus. And we know that there's a very common path that every person follows, different uh, timing and different focuses. But here's the path that everybody begins seeking out and discovering who God is. There is a beginning process. And then there's a point, hopefully, where we cross the line to believe. So we begin, we believe, and then the, the next uh, step is to belong, to connect not only to God, but also to other people. And then the latter step is, and this is a lifetime step, is become. So real simple, begin, believe, belong, become. That's this path that all of us follow in our spiritual journey. Now, obviously, when we give our lives to Christ, we belong to him. But, but there's a real sense also that we belong to his family, the church, the body of Christ. We belong to the universal church, but, but God also calls us to belong to the local church as well. See, the local church is God's family with skin on it. There is a big family. One day we're all going to join that family in heaven, but we don't have a real connection, a physical connection to that family because we can't see them. Uh, we can't touch them. You know, we can't hug them. They don't see and do the same things to us. And so the local church is kind of like God's family here with skin on it. And I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. It is the, the future of the world. It's what God longs for it to be. In fact, it's the personal, uh, the, the current manifestation of the kingdom of God is right here in this church and in other bodies of believers that are gathered this morning. And when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, the only natural next step is that you would find a body of believers who are teaching the truth, and then you would step in and become a part of that body and worship and fellowship and grow with them. Because the primary source of biblical teaching, of encouragement, of discipleship, of worship, of accountability, of challenge, of all those things is the local body of Jesus Christ. And the idea of a local body of believers goes way, way back. In fact, it goes back even beyond the church's beginning when you think about it. It goes back into the Old Testament practice of worship of God when the temple was the primary place to worship, but people couldn't go to the temple every day. They lived too far from it, and so they would establish in each town what they called synagogues. And their believers in God would come and worship together until they could make the trip 
uh, annually, sometime to the temple in Jerusalem. And it's interesting that whenever Jesus began his ministry, he would often go to the synagogues where believers were seeking God, and he would teach them. And the early churches would sometimes even grow out of the synagogues. If they weren't allowed to meet with the Jewish people, they would be pushed out, and they would form local churches embodied. And then in Acts chapter 2, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so there's all sorts of biblical history and biblical evidence and the biblical principle of local churches where believers would come together, where they would commit, they would worship and serve God collectively. See, being with other believers reminds us that we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And isn't that what everyone kind of wants to do? They want to know that their life is matter, that their life matters, that it's not just me, that there's a bigger purpose, there's a meaning in life. And when we come together, we see that meaning. We see that not only do we receive from others, great uh, segue in, by the way, Zach, uh, but we receive from others, but we also give to others. It's not just what we come to get, it's what we come to give in our worship And let me tell you, even though you may not feel that your attendance and even your interaction or your fellowship with other believers makes a difference, it really does. You know, I have people who tell me, I can't wait to get to church so I can see so-and-so, and and I can talk to them and, and hug them or be hugged by them. It's that kind of interaction that's so important in our lives, just the fellowship, the life that we have together, and the life that happens outside of this church as well. And so belonging is an important part of that. You know, down through the years, I've been um, part of several conversations that have been held, not only here, but other places, as to what people in the local church are best called. You know, and every word has its pros and cons. For example, uh, obviously, we, talk, we use most often the word members. We're a member of a particular church, and that's the most common word. But it has some connotations that are, that are not that great, like... For sometimes we think about membership being like of a country club where everybody gets their way. So if I'm a member, I should have a, you know, a say in the country club uh, plan and investments or all that, that sort of thing. Or maybe sometime in the church there are members who are members in name only uh, that never attend, never show up, never give, never serve, just feel like they ought to be members of a church. Uh, we oftentimes discover those members when they die. Uh, and that shows up, and we're like, oh, I didn't know they were a member of our church, but it, you know, it looks good in, in writing, right? So I hope you're not planning on your membership just being something that goes into your, your obituary, that that that's, has a value. Please don't think that's not what membership is all about. And so, you know, other people have made shots at trying to make a word that would be a little more descriptive. For example, I've heard of churches that call their members owners. And it does give this the idea of ownership, but it also has the idea of controlling. If I'm an owner, then I ought to be able to control, right? So maybe that's not the best word. Then I've heard churches that use the word partners, which is an awkward kind of word. You're not exactly sure if you're cowboys, you know, or exactly who you are in that. So anyway, we kind of come back, I think, to the word membership because that's kind of the best word. In fact, that's the word the Bible uses. So that's a pretty safe word. And I want to emphasize, however, that being a member of the church, being connected to the body of Christ is truly about truly belonging and about being an active member. 
And so as we kind of get that word from the Bible, let's see what the Bible actually says about being members of the body of Christ. And I want to get our main scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says here, for as the body is one and it has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. In fact, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, these members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow great honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it, or if one member is honored, all the members are honored and rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. See, I told you the idea of members is a a biblical word, right? And I hope that you kind of plugged yourself into that analogy a little bit in thinking about your place and your role in the body because here is a really clear picture of what membership in the body of Christ is all about. See, church membership is not country club membership. It's definitely not a status thing, right? Not supposed to be that, not for the elite not for those who think they're better than others, not for, as someone told me, for those who are proper. I had a lady one time who said, I could never be a part of the church, not here, somewhere else, because I'm not proper, because that was her perspective that only proper people could be members of the church. Not not at all. And while a country club membership, you pay others to do the work for you. That's the nice thing. Other people are responsible. You pay a membership, you don't have to uh, you can come and go if you want or not come at all. Uh, you know, that's kind of what membership implies there. But with church membership, everybody has a role or a function. Everybody has a part. And then we, a lot of people don't realize that. People come thinking, and in fact, they even call it, you know, in some cases, your church. This is not my church. This is our church. We're all members and part of the body of, of Christ. And, and so Paul describes that, and, and he says it's like a human body that has hands and feet and ears and eyes and various other members or parts of the body that he didn't even describe there. But he says every one of those parts has a very distinct purpose. And no, they're not identical, nor do they need to be. It would be very, what kind of body would it be if, every, if a body was made up of the same parts? It would be ridiculous, right? So we're very different, but we're part of one. So let me share you some things that I think Paul is saying here in this scripture. The first thing is that membership means that we're different, but we're all work together. 
We're different, but we all work together. Every part or member of your body has a job to do or the rest of the body suffers. Understand that. You know, a few uh, months ago, I started having this kind of pain right here at my thumb. And I, and I checked on that and uh, finally went to the doctor. You know, I just thought it would go away, but it didn't uh, go away. So I finally went to the doctor and I found out I have tendinitis in my wrist. And so I got a couple of shots there and I thought, you know, I really should start protecting that hand, which is my, I'm right-handed. So I started trying to do everything with my left hand and, uh, and really shield that. Well, a day later, all of a sudden my left shoulder, it's never hurt me before. I was like, oh, man, what is wrong with my left shoulder? And I realized that instead of balancing the work between two hands and two shoulders, I was trying to do it all with the left, and it wasn't accustomed to that. And so I had to kind of, you know, give my left, my right, left hand a break and start, you know, working with my right hand again. But that's kind of how it is, you know, if you think about it. When one part of your body begins to hurt, you begin to protect it, and, and then the rest of the body has to bear the brunt of it. Think about how that works in the body of Christ. When one part maybe doesn't do its part, or there's injury or suffering, and others have to compensate for that. Every member has to work in harmony with the other members of the body in order to accomplish the task, or the whole body is limited. It really is. And sometimes we work in concert to actually accomplish a purpose. I was thinking about this, you know, some of you guys are mechanically minded. When you tighten a bolt, you know, you have to hold the head of the boat with one hand or with a wrench and tighten it with the other. So it, it, there has to be harmony. You have to work together and think of the analogy of how that all works together with the body of Christ. We need each other and we depend upon each other because every member is different. Every member has different abilities and different responsibilities. We should never, ever be jealous of one another. You know, there's a human tendency to look at other people and say, I just wish I could do that. I wish I could, I wish I could sing like Emily. I mean, maybe not quite as high, but you know, beautiful voice. I'm sitting there going, that is so crazy. She's so talented, but that's not what God has gifted me to do, right? And maybe you're saying, I, I wish I could, you know, wish I could play the, the, is that the cello? I don't know, whatever that instrument is. Beautiful back there. That's, you know, that's what she can do. Zoe can do it. And and the rest of us come, but we have a task, more than likely. You have a, 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 a gift, an ability that you can do that probably neither Emily or Zoe can do. But God's gifted us to work together, to work in harmony with one another. It's a beautiful thing. In verse 5 or 15, Paul says, the foot doesn't say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. I'm not needed or important. The foot doesn't say that. Uh, you know, if you had um, four hands... And no feet, you, it would be a, a mess, right? Or if you had four feet and no hands, you know? Maybe I've just seen people do amazing things when they're limited, but God's designed the body so when it's all healthy, everything is accomplished that needs to be done. And in verse 18 it says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So if you ever think that maybe you aren't important, then maybe somebody else's gifts are more important than yours. Remember that God has set the, the members of the body. And by the way, God has equipped, I believe, every church with every body, every gift that it needs to accomplish the purpose that he has for it. And so all of us need to recognize that and be committed to doing our part. He has designed and equipped us for a specific purpose. You know, in the first part of chapter 12, Paul talks about spiritual gifts 
if you kind of back up a little bit from where we just read, Paul talks about spiritual gifts that God's given and how that every gift is different. It's an amazing study about spiritual gifts that you ought, ought to check out at some point. They're different and they're giving for the good of the whole body. And that the, the human body is amazingly designed to work together when it's healthy, that every part is synchronized to work with every other part to keep our, our uh, balance and do intricate things. Doesn't make sense really that a human body um, could stand upright when you think about it because most of our weight is above the floor, right? But God has given us these amazing bodies so that we can actually balance the heaviest part of us above the floor, and, you know, and walk around. And I just think about how amazing God has made the body and that the body of Christ is like that. The body of Christ may be a little unwieldy at times, but God's given us everything we need to be exactly what he wants us to be. And so we learn to value one another. Paul goes on to say that there are members of the body that seem to be weak that are necessary. Some of the most vulnerable parts of your body are the most necessary parts. You know, you, you can lose a hand or a finger, but if you lose a heart or something like that, you're in big trouble, right? So the weaker parts that we normally wouldn't say are visible or even uh, that we even know what they do. There are parts of our bodies that we don't totally understand what they do, but they're very important to the overall. The brain is important. God's given the brain its own little helmet to protect it, and the heart has a shield to protect it, the rib cage. God has done that, and we need to protect the body and protect one another just as God has equipped the, the physical body. He says some members of our body are unpresentable, and modesty tells us to cover it up, you know, and we do that. We need to continue to be careful about that. But he also says other parts are usually uncovered. They don't require special care. And God's just made us uniquely. Think about that. They're all essential and have great value. I was reading the other day about part of your body I never, ever thought about how important it was, and that's, that's the ridges on your fingers. Uh, if you rub your fingers together, you can feel those tiny ridges there probably, and obviously, you know that those ridges help identify us. Your fingerprint is unique. Nobody else in the world has your fingerprint, which is amazing. Billions of people, and the fingerprint is all different. But beyond just identifying us, those ridges on your fingers um, also, they have a purpose of helping you hold things. And, and they also kind of channel water away. If your hands are wet, those ridges channel water away so you can maintain a grip even if your hands are wet. Even those ridges, as small as they are, have a purpose. You know, maybe you're a ridge and you have a purpose of helping people in some way that you never even thought about. Living without fingerprints would be difficult, especially for people who, who have to hold on to objects. People who burn, have their hands burn or worn them off, they have a hard time maintaining a grip on things. That's how God's made us. But the main point here is that every, every member has to both value their own giftedness and the giftedness of other people. And everybody has to do the job they're gifted for. Because if we don't, we fail the body as a whole. And the whole body suffers. But when the body works together, the whole body rejoices and is stronger. In verse 26, Paul says, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. When your body is healthy, you're, you feel good all over. When one part is down, 
It, it impacts the entire body. Here's the second thing I think Paul's saying is that membership means everything we do, everything we say is based on a biblical foundation of love. That because we are one, it's all focused on love. You know, we can almost see the Apostle Paul giving this message with a kind voice, with correction and instruction and encouragement. Guys, you got to love each other. You just got to love each other. It has to come out above everything else. Understand the idea of membership in the body of Christ is essential to unity and even survival. A few weeks ago, we talked about rebooting unity, how important it is that we be one. And this is all kind of built around the understanding of that, that we are one, but also that we have to, that all springs from love for one another. And if you look at the history of the church at Corinth, to whom he's writing this letter, was a divided church. And no doubt some of the issues that Paul's addressing here were issues of conflict, jealousy, envy, resentment. And Paul's saying, look, guys, you're, you're not, you don't have any right to do that. You're all one. You've got to work together and love each other. So important you understand that love is the overriding principle that guides our words and actions. And I think that's why after this teaching about the body of Christ, that Paul segues immediately into a section of scripture that we call the love chapter. You ever thought about that? In 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about your gifts. He talks about your responsibility in the body. And then he goes immediately to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And we read that all the time about weddings or at weddings. And we set this as a standard for husbands and wives to live together and love one another and to show really what agape love is all about. But it really has a deeper meaning than marriage. Let's read it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, there's nothing wrong with using that in a wedding. In fact, it's a beautiful scripture for that. But the original meaning was to show how church members should love one another, how they relate to one another. We want to read that in other settings as well. It's not limited to marriage. And can you imagine the unity that a body, a, a church would have if we all lived out the principles of love that Paul describes here? If we just lived that way, if we weren't jealous, if we were patient, if we were kind, if we were uh, more humble, if we honored other people above ourselves, all those, um, you know, all that direction in there, if we just treated other people that way, we're going to love each other. Not because we're always lovable, because we're not, right? But because we are commanded to love, because we're one. So we don't just love our pastors, for example, whenever they're doing what we want, we love them all the time. We're not just to serve the body or serve the church when we feel like it or when it's fun or when, you know, it's a, something we enjoy doing, but we do it all the time, even if we're the only ones doing it, because God's called us to do that out of love. So church membership is kind of founded on authentic, biblical, unconditional love. Here's the third thing. Church membership is functioning membership. It is functioning membership. You can remain a member of a country club by just paying your dues. I mean, just pay your dues every year and you're a member, boom, right? And uh, you don't even have to show up. In fact, it would almost probably be better for them if you didn't show up because they get the money and they count you as a member, but you don't use services. You know, so maybe it's better for 
that kind of setting that you just pay and don't, don't show up. But the reality is you can't remain a biblical member of your church if you're not connected, and if you're not showing up, and if you're not serving, and you're not on mission with them. So as, as members of the body of Christ, we're called to give abundantly of ourselves and serve without hesitation. You know, I've noticed down through the years <clears throat> that a lot of churches have a huge membership role that's multiple times bigger than the people who actually show up. I mean, I've heard of churches that have 1,500 people in a role and 200 people that actually are in worship. You know, we don't do that. We don't do that. And in fact, several years ago, uh, we kind of went through our membership list and, and found out who was really members. And we asked people, do you want to be a member? We believe that membership is active membership. Periodically, we ask people to indicate if they still want to be members of Journey Church. We don't do membership drives or anything like that, but we do encourage people to be members and to be active. Members of the church attend, serve, and give to support the mission of the church. It is functioning membership. Biblical membership is being active and involved. You know, when Paul spoke of the human body, we read a few moments ago, uh, he does so for a couple of reasons. First of all, to, to, to remind them that the church is united, the body of Christ is united, that we are one, and that the church uh, has a mission and a purpose. We have ministries, activities, and to fulfill our mission, we, we are focused on those things. But secondly, he, he does that to, to emphasize that it's made up of parts, like we talked about, foot, hand, eye, nose, and, and ear. But every part that he mentions has a function that's unique to it. And if your body doesn't do that, then the body is not going to be what it's intended to be. And the same thing is true with the church, that God's gifted us in ways that are unique and that God has a purpose for our church. And if you and I don't do what we are gifted to do and called to do, the whole body suffers and the mission suffers and Jesus suffers. So it, it's bigger than me and bigger than you. And the concept of an inactive church member is really an oxymoron. It doesn't exist. And that's why we don't believe in carrying hundreds or thousands of people on a list who just want to be members or at some point thought they wanted to be a member. That's why we're supposed to identify our earthly and our spiritual gifts that we've been given and use them to serve the church for the glory of God. And the fact that we have a lot of diversity in our church is one of our strengths. We need more diversity. We need, we need to add more members to the body for more diversity, for more ability to reach out to do more for the body and more for the purpose and the mission of the Lord. But we all have a purpose and a role to play. And because we all have different gifts and different abilities, we're going to function different from other members, but we function together and we're to be active. Now, let me talk about membership real quick here before we wrap up. There are two prerequisites for being a member of Journey Church. And the very first one is that we require that you are a member of the body of Christ, that you are a believer. And we require, of course, if you're going to be a member, that you be an immersed follower of Jesus Christ. We require that at some point you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he came to save you, that he is perfect, that he lived a perfect life and died a sacrificial death for you, that you believe that, and that he is calling you to turn from your self-lived life and live for him. And the Bible calls that repentance, from turning from our past and turning and looking forward. So, so that someone believed in Christ, repented their sins, 
confess him as Lord. Jesus said, you must confess me before me, and I'll confess you before the Father. And then having done that, that you now then be baptized by immersion into Christ. Those are, we do require that because the Bible teaches that. So we require that you be uh, an immersed follower of Jesus. But secondly, we, uh, the requirement is to know and support the mission, the vision, and the values of Journey Church. You know, we talk a lot about our mission. Our mission is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. We changed the name of our, of our gathering to, to reflect that mission, that we are Journey Church, moving people on a simple journey toward Jesus. And the reason we do that, it was a, or the way we do that is we love God, we love people, and we make disciples who make disciples. That's kind of the vision piece of it that we think we can, by doing those things, that we can accomplish the mission of moving people closer to Jesus. The values of our church connect, grow, and share. Very, very simple. So if you agree with or meet those requirements and you say, that sounds great, you are welcome to be a member of Journey Church. Now, we don't make a huge deal of membership. It's not the thing we talk about all the time. But we do have a membership list that we keep. We think that's important. And I want to encourage you to think about membership. First of all, in the body of Christ, belonging to him, but then belonging to a local church as well. And I told you periodically that we encourage people to just, uh, you know, remind us and ourselves that we're a, uh, and yourself that you are a part of the church and you are a member of it. And so uh, what I want to ask you to do a couple things. First of all, <clears throat> if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you've never given your life to Christ, or if there is something in that uh, description of a believer I shared a moment ago that you have not done, that you would do that. So if you have never believed, you have never made a commitment to give your life to Christ, I'd love to see you do that today. I'm going to be down front uh, after communion and during the, the song that we'll sing. I'm available. I would love to talk to you if you have never made a, a decision to follow Jesus. If you have never been baptized, um, today would be a great day to do that. We have everything that we need to do it. You don't even have to be, have come prepared. Uh, in the Bible, when people were baptized, they did it immediately. It was spontaneous response to the call of Jesus. So we have everything prepared, and we would love to have baptism this morning. If you want to talk to someone about your next step, um, we would love to do that. I'm going to be down. Tony's going to be, I'm going to ask him to come up as well and be available for you to come forward. But if you are a member of our church, I'm going to ask you to do something else too. I'm going to ask you to recommit to the mission and the purpose of our church. And also, I want to encourage you, as you go out in the lobby, on the table under the sign, there are some sheets of paper. I would encourage you to sign and just update your information. We're living in a world where everything changes. Email changes, phone numbers change, addresses change. Uh, just jot your name down. There's some sheets, several sheets out there. Jot it down. There's a place to say, I'm a member. If you're not a member, if you don't think you're a member of the church, and, and then say, new member, or I want to be a member. Just jot that down out there, and we'll do follow-up with you, okay? We don't want to make this too awfully complicated, but we do want you to understand that membership is important, that God's called it to us, and we would love, love for you to be a part of our gathering here.